verse number 15. If you're there, say amen. If you're glad you're saved this morning, say glory. Amen. I've tried to give you three opportunities to be glad that you're saved this morning. Amen. And so hopefully you are now, and hopefully you'll never get over it. Amen. And, but verse number 15 of Mark 16, I'll read, we'll pray. You can have a seat this morning, and I'll preach quickly what the Lord's put on my heart, uh, and hope it'd be a help to you. Look at verse number 15. He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them in confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Let's pray. to Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the wonderful song service this morning. We're thankful, Lord, the half has not been told. Lord, as good as you are and as wonderful as you are, as much as you love us, Lord, it is beyond our comprehension this morning. And Lord, for the what little that we do know, we sure are grateful. But Lord, we do know there's coming a day, God, when that which we don't know will be made known unto us. And God, with a perfect mind, God, will be able to understand how much you really loved us and how much you really do love us and care for us and what it really costs for you to come and die on the cross for us. Well, Father, I pray, Lord, this morning that you'd hide me behind the cross of Calvary. I pray, Lord, you'd make preaching, God, what you desire it to be this morning. Empty out of myself, Lord, and fill me with the Spirit of God. Make it personal to us this morning. Lord, help us this morning from the Word of God. We ask you, Lord, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you as a personal Lord and Savior, Lord, they don't have a date, they don't have a time, they don't have a moment, God, where they confessed their sin, believed on you, trusted you for salvation. I pray, Lord, today would be that day. Holy Spirit, draw them unto yourself. Lord, I can't convict them, I can't change them, but you sure can. And I ask you, Lord, that you give us a discerning wisdom this morning, God, in case that be one of these people in here this morning. Well, we love you, we thank you now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You can have a seat this morning. Thank you so much for standing and thank you once again for being here and excited for what the month holds for us and uh, hanging up the flags this week, getting all that together gets me excited and been working and getting some things together. And I've come to the place in my life, in my Christian life, where I just absolutely love missions. I love missionaries. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed by their accounts. I love reading missionary biographies. I love reading about missionaries in the past and what they went through. And it amazes me, but at the same time, it humbles me when I realize that I have yet to face those kind of things, those kind of struggles. But if God was faithful to them, then God will be faithful to us. We see here in Mark chapter number 16 a, a, a very familiar portion of the Bible. You've been in church for any time. Mark or Matthew 28 verse 20 is the great commission. It's echoed here. It is a, it's, it's the perspective from Mark today that we're going to look at. But we see what has happened. Jesus has died and rose again. He has shown himself to many witnesses after his resurrection. He's ascending back. He's about to send back to the Father to seat at the right hand of God, which is the seat of acceptance, which is the seat of, of, of being pleased, right? It is a seat of honor this morning, and there's nobody that is greater than God himself. 
And we know that and we believe that this morning, but I, we see he's, he's about to leave and now he's assembled together his disciples and he's about to leave this world to head back up to heaven and he gives them this command to go. Go and preach the gospel to every creature. I remember I knew a young man who gotten saved was so excited to serve the Lord and so excited to share the gospel he took this verse literal. And in this hallway, he grabbed his dog by the back of its neck and prayed with his dog. And he got done and said, Mom and Dad, I just led my dog to the Lord. He just got saved. And he was so excited they had to break it down to that's not what the Lord was talking about. <laughs> in essence, this one, we're not trying to reach the trees and the dogs. We're trying to reach people. We're called to preach the gospel to people. But let me ask you this morning, as we get into this thought of go or going, what gets you going? What gets you excited? What motivates you? What gets you out of the bed in the morning? What, what drives you this morning? In verse number 15, Jesus told his disciples to go. And he said, well, preacher, I, I thought it was missions month and I thought we were talking about faith promise and I thought you was going to be like all the other preachers and we was going to come in here this morning you was going to beg us for money and you was going to say and do a fundraiser this morning. Can I say it's part of it this morning and I, it's part of taking up a fund and bringing in, in the funds to support missionaries this morning. We don't support them with hopes and dreams. We pray for them and we send financial support their way. But can I say this morning, I think it'd be far more effective than just getting money out of your wallet this morning is to get your heart in tune with the great commission that God has commissioned every Christian to do. That God has told every Christian, you are to be a part of this. This isn't for some Christians. This isn't for every other Christian. This is for every born again child of God this morning. The commission to go. And here Jesus tells his disciples, go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I don't know why I've never done this, but I, I did a word study on the word go. I mean, I thought that was, I mean, go was interesting. It's a wonderful thing. It's the best spot in the Monopoly game board. Amen. You land on go, give me my $400. I'm going to try my best to get boardwalk and rob you of all your money. <laughs> Preacher, don't play Monopoly with me. Amen. I turn into Donald Trump real quick. But that word go, it doesn't just simply mean to, to, to go, right? To, to go from inaction to action. But that word means to traverse. It means to remove from one place and to depart to another. It means to take a journey. But then I found out that that word go right there in the Greek is derived from another Greek word. And I'm not going to try to speak over your head this morning, but that word comes from a word that means to experience a trial. It means to learn by experience. In essence, the Lord has told him and he's told us today that you and I as children of God are to go. We are to depart from where we are. We are to pursue a journey and to experience this, this calling on our life. But it's more than just a, a happy-go-lucky, everything's wonderful. He's talking about trials in tribulations. And let me ask, why in the world and what would motivate these men to go to begin a journey of trials, to begin a journey or experience of tribulation? What in the world motivated these men? What in the world motivates, what should get us going this morning as a Christian? 
And the answer to that is not a position in a higher religious hierarchy. It's not a title. It's not recognition. It's not our name on the sign, our name in the lights. It's not a pat on the back. It's not a good job way to go. What should motivate you and I was the same thing that motivated these men to go and to preach the gospel. Preacher, what motivated them? The gospel itself. The gospel itself, the fact that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, left heaven, paid their sin debt on the cross of Calvary, would tasted death for them by being buried in the tomb and raising again the third day by resurrection power this morning. Can I say this morning, if there's anything that ought to get us going this morning, it's the gospel. We see here this morning, let me ask you, I mean, let me ask you point blank this morning. Does the gospel get you going? Does the gospel still excite you? Or has it just become an old story? Has it just become, yes, preacher, I'm saved by the grace of God. I believe the gospel. I believe that Jesus was born of a virgin, lived perfectly, died on the cross of Calvary, was buried in the tomb, rose again the third day, and he did that for me, preacher. I, I believe that, but I need something more. I have nothing else to offer you this morning. If the gospel does not help you, if the gospel does not excite you, if the gospel does not challenge you, there's nothing else I can tell you this morning. And we see here this morning, these 12 men were willing to leave everything behind and go because of the gospel. Now we're gonna see here this morning in verses 16, Really, verses 17 and 18, Jesus gives him some instructions and then he gives him some things to look out for, some things to observe, verse number seven, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with tongues, they shall take up serpents and they shall drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall Recover. In essence, Jesus was telling his men, as you go and you preach the gospel, these signs are going to be evident unto you that I am working and that I am moving and that I am with you, right? Matthew 28 says, lo, I am with you always, all the way to the end of the world. Aren't you glad this morning that there's nowhere you can go that you can escape the reach and the eyesight of God this morning? Listen, I, I've got three kids, amen, and sometimes I'm not sure where some of them are. You ever been in the house and all of a sudden you stopped and said, it got real quiet in here. What are they at? Where are they at? Can I say this morning, God, God's never had a moment. Where are they at? He's always known where we are. And we understand by direct interpretation, right, these men were going to experience these signs. We could turn to the book of Acts and see these signs taking place. But we also understand that you and I are to live by faith. That if you and I are seeking a sign and, and we're seeking these things, we are not living by faith, but we're living by sight. And I, the Bible also tells us that which is perfect has come, though that which is important will be done away with this morning. And what do you mean by that? We have a perfect word of God this morning. We have everything God wants us and needs us to know this morning. It's right here in the word of God. I don't need a sign when I have truth. But I, I, want, I want to look at this morning, kind of look at it in a different angle this morning, and, and I understand my direct interpretation of what's going on here. But I want to try my best to make a personal application this morning. As Jesus commands them to go, he gives them four things 
that they need to look out for. Four things they need to be aware of because these four things could keep them from going. We see here this morning there's four things and he's telling them the, the positive side of it, the, the sick will be healed, nobody's gonna get hurt, speaking tongues, a different language. We see all the, the, the devils will be cast out, we see the positive side of it. But if you flip the coin around, there's a negative side to that. That if we're not careful, these four things will keep us from going. Here's what I want to preach on this morning. What's keeping you from going? What's keeping you from going? We observe some things that might keep us from going. Number one, there's devilish obstructions. Devilish obstructions. Look at verse number 17. The Bible said, And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name shall they cast out devils. Every now and again, I've got to remind myself who my battle really is with. It's not with the brethren. It's not with the politicians. It's not with, with my society per se. It's not with my family. It's not with the church members. It's really, it's not with any other person. The Bible tells in Ephesians 6, 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Well, what are you trying to say? Our, our battle isn't against the Democrats, the liberals, the atheists, the humanists, the false prophets, the fake preachers. It is the one who is behind them. It is the one who's pulling the strings. It's the one who's calling the shots. Oh, preacher, you're talking about a secret government organization. You're talking about the Illuminati, aren't you, preacher? No, I'm talking about Satan himself. He's behind all of that this morning. Satan isn't merely annoyed by the gospel or upset that Jesus rose again. He is dead set on stopping Christians from doing what God has commanded them to do, and that is to carry the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world. Well, preacher, God hasn't called me to Africa. God hasn't called me to India. God hasn't called me to Vanuatu. God hasn't called me fill in the blank of your foreign land, but God has placed you here. And you may not be called to take the gospel personally to halfway around the world, but if you're saved by the grace of God, you ought to take the gospel where you are. It's not an if you should, it's you should this morning. And Satan isn't merely annoyed by that. He is completely and totally against the gospel. He hates the gospel with everything that is in it. Preacher, why is Satan so dead set against the gospel? Because it's the very thing that defeated him. He has no answer for it. He cannot make it, he cannot take it down. He can't destroy it. He can't make anything better than it. It is absolutely destroyed who he is. If we purpose to get the gospel out and mark it down, you will find some devilish obstructions in your life because you're stepping into a spiritual battle that God is totally for and Satan is totally against. We like to think that Satan's attacking us and Satan's doing this to us and Satan this and Satan that. Preacher, pray for me. The devil's just, he's, he's just tearing me up this morning. And he's just, he's just fighting in all different ways. What do you mean? By, well, my, my, my tire was low on air this morning. And I said, not today, Satan. And, and, and preacher, I, my milk, it had one day left on it and it was spoiled. And I said, not today, Satan. Can I say, if you're not actively sharing the gospel, you're not actively filling 
and, and fulfilling and, and following the great commission this morning, Satan's probably not really much concerned with you. He don't mind that you come and sit on a church pew. He don't mind that you sing your heart out during the congregationals. He don't mind that you're in the choir. He don't mind that you're preaching behind the pulpit. He don't mind that you're teaching Sunday school. He don't mind that you give in the offering play. He don't mind none of that. But I guarantee you, when you step out and you begin to fulfill the command that goes directly against everything he stands for, he's going to take notice of it. Well, what we see here this morning, we're, we're given two things that will overcome the devilish obstruction. Verse number 17 says it. In these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. In my name, devils, they shall cast out devils. Do you realize this morning, it's a wonderful name. It's a glorious name. It's interesting to me that in our society, I can stand before the public and tell them my position as a pastor of an independent fundamental Baptist church, South Asian Baptist church in Hesba, Georgia, they don't mind that at all. I can talk about God. I can talk about eternal life. I can talk about the spirit. I can talk about religion, being spiritual, the Bible. But the moment you say that name, all of a sudden, here comes offense. All of a sudden, here comes uh, action. Here comes attitude. Here comes pushback. You know, you, you, you know you, we can't offend nobody. Can I say this morning, if his name offends you, you just want to be offended. Because to me, it's the greatest name that I know. It's the name that saved my soul. I didn't cry out to Buddha. I didn't cry out to Allah. I didn't cry out to the Pope. I didn't cry out to another man. I didn't cry out to my best friend. I cried, dear Jesus, save my soul. <laughs> Can I say this one? When you and I begin to, to take the, the gospel, here's the thing. If you get serious in your personal life about sharing the gospel, some more, supporting a missionary won't be a problem. You, you, won't, you won't be reserved and held back. I don't know about that. Matter of fact, you'll say, boy, if they're doing what I'm doing, I want to help them as much as I can. The name of Jesus, the word of God this morning, Satan is no match for God. The only person who wants you to be silent to stay passive about the gospel, it's not God, it's not your preacher, it's Satan. Satan's the only one that wants you to be quiet about the gospel. <laughs> Here's our modern day thinking. Let me make sure I get this right. We need to win people with our stuff and our programs. Preacher, what does the church do for my children? Listen, we have children's church. We have children's Sunday school. And I'm, I'm not against those things. But can I say this morning, what your children need is a preacher. And not just a preacher, but one who stands behind the pulpit with the word of God and preaches, thus saith the Lord. Listen, if we cut out children's church and children's Sunday school and, and, and just purely children's things, I wouldn't have a problem with it. You got to realize this one. That's all modern day stuff. And we sit over here and we, we entertain our kids and we, we let them have fun and do all this kind of stuff. And Satan just sits over there and laughs. Because he knows none of that's going to change them. Awana's is a great program. Kingdom Builders or whatever it's called is, is, is get, I can't remember the name of the class, but it's, it's, it's not necessarily bad. But I've never heard somebody say, I was looking at my Awana's award certificate and the Lord convicted my heart and I got saved by the grace of God. We realize this morning, a modern day thing is we gotta have stuff and programs. People need 
We need to win people to Jesus with the gospel. Well, that, that's how it's supposed to happen. But realize this morning, when you and I get to going with the Great Commission, expect devilish obstruction. Don't let Satan stop you from going with the gospel. Have you let Satan's uh, satanic attacks and devilish obstructions to keep you from going with the Lord? So we see devilish obstructions. Those two, we see difficult understandings. Difficult understandings. Look at verse number 17. And they shall speak with new tongues. They shall speak with new tongues. I had the privilege of going to Albania a couple years ago and the church here has heard all my stories probably 10 times. That's probably one of those things I'll never forget. But we had, we, we was able to preach over there. We passed out John and Romans, shared the gospel with people, had a wonderful time. We went over to the town of Promet and it's like the Albanian, uh, uh, what's that place in Tennessee? Uh, where everybody, Gatlinburg. It's like the Albanian version of Gatlinburg, right? It's a, it's a ski resort town. It's, it's, it had like the, the, that, that look to it. And, and we were going through the town and we were passing out gospel tracts. And Josh Williams said, hey, fellas, I want some ice cream. I'm not opposed to that. Ice cream any day at dime day sounds good. The only problem was we had no idea where ice cream was. And so we got out of the van. We were walking down the, the main road there and we stopped at a cafe and we said, we want ice cream to some Albanian men that were sitting out there at the restaurant and they smiled at us. That's all they, that's all they did. They didn't answer our question. They just smiled at us. So no, we, we, where can we get some ice cream? Burr, ice cream, cold. Eat it with your mouth. <laughs> and they just... <laughs> and that's it. Preacher was a problem. We weren't speaking each other's languages. Something got lost in translation between ice cream and finally one of them smiled at us and said, for you, for you. And he reaches on the table and he <laughs> grabs a bottle of moonshine <laughs> in a little glass. And he said, for you and for you. <laughs> Needless to say, we turned it down, amen. <laughs> we, they, you, don't, you don't drink, you don't, it make you happy. <laughs> All of a sudden they knew a little bit of English. But you got to imagine, and it, what it brought out into me was, we like to talk, and, and it is difficult sometimes in America to share the gospel. We're in a society that is completely against us and totally not for us. But one of the things I remember about being in Albania is how, how lonely it could be when you're the only person that speaks English. And their whole world's going on, their whole life's going on, and they're talking all around you. I, I, I'll never forget that how I was the only one in the room who knew English at a certain place. It just amazes me. We've got to realize, what's, preacher, what's that got to do with difficult understandings? One of the other things you got to realize is these men were fixing to head into countries and to places where they didn't speak the language. And yet God had commanded them to go with the gospel. I don't think they went in there and they did anything crazy. I don't think they, they spoke in a, an unknown tongue. I think a miracle happened. I think as they began to preach the gospel, God in the ears of the listeners. Go read the book of Acts. I heard a preacher say one time, the, mad, the, the miracle's not in the tongue, it's in the, the ear of the, the hearer. And as they begin to preach, men would hear them in their own language and believe the gospel. But imagine how difficult that must have been for those men to walk into a situation where the customs are different, the language is different. 
Everything is just different and it's difficult to be in that area. Sometimes when we are going, we're going to be put in situations that are difficult to understand. Lord, why did I get sick? Lord, why did this happen to me? And Lord, why did that happen to my family? And you're in a position where you don't know what to do, how you even got there, and really how you're going to get out of it. And you say, why, Lord? I don't understand this. This is difficult. Can I say this morning, if we're not careful, we'll let difficult things, things that are difficult to understand to keep us from our going. Why am I in a difficult thing? Because somebody in that situation or that similar place needs to hear the gospel. They need to hear it. Why do I have to go here? Because there's probably somebody there that needs to hear the gospel. Why did this happen to me? Because somebody needs to know that the gospel is the answer. And God will put you in these difficult places so they can hear a language that they've never heard before. What do you mean by that, preacher? You got to realize when it comes to the language of the world, there's no hope. There's no peace. There's no truth. There's no help. There's no strength. There's no love. There's none of that. Now, I hope no Christian in here this morning gets cancer. But do you realize this morning there's millions of people that get cancer and they don't know who Christ is? All they have is the hope of the doctor, of medicine, and really I hope I get better. That's all that they have. And how of us in here know that oftentimes falls short? It's not, there's no real hope in that. When the doctor says, hey, there's nothing we can do for you. And all that hope is gone. And here you come in and you're in the same situation. The doctors have looked you in the face and said, there's nothing we can do for you. And you say, it's okay. Because I know where I'm headed. Because the gospel made a difference in my life. And you begin to speak a different language than what the world's speaking to them. You have a, a language that's full of peace. A language that's full of joy. A language that's full of love and help and strength and, and hope this morning. And they're going to step back and say, what kind of language are you speaking? What kind of things are you talking about? Sooner or later, they'll ask you, what language are you speaking? You can smile at them and say, I'm speaking the gospel. <laughs> Let me tell you how I found peace in a trial like this. Let me tell you how, how I have strength and everything else is falling apart in my life. There was a day in my life where I got saved by the grace of God because Jesus died for me and he rose again and he did that for you. And if you, you hang out long enough and you keep speaking that language to them, sooner or later the Holy Spirit's gonna work in their heart. They're gonna have to make a decision. If they choose to receive Christ, y'all will be speaking the same language. <laughs> It'll be a miracle that takes place. Imagine how that must have been for disciples to experience that. It'll be the same thing for you when you allow the Lord to use your difficult times to bring you to a place where you speak a different language than everybody else. Let me ask you this morning, are you willing to go with the gospel even when things are difficult to understand? Not only is there devilish obstructions, difficult situations, but notice number three this morning, there's dangerous, excuse me, difficult to understand is there's dangerous situations this morning. Look at verse number 18. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Let me, let me give you a quick, quick observation on this real quick. We see it here. Jesus tells them what's going to take place here. and They're going to see it. 
but we never seen it done in a church setting. We don't see it anywhere in the book of Acts. We don't see it anywhere in the epistles where Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, go grab the snakes. Timothy, bring out the poison. It's time to have a faith service. Can I say this morning, if you pull out snakes in here, I'm gone. <laughs> and I hope everybody else is right behind me. Preacher, they're cute and they're cuddly. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. But we see here, we see Paul, we look in the book of Acts, Paul's bitten by a snake on the island of Melita. And yes, he shook it off. But he didn't say, all right, y'all do like me. Stick your hand in the fire and get bit by a snake too. It's not in there. But we do listen to some dangerous situations. Right, that Paul lists for us in 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, where he says this. He said, all times, all of the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and the day I was in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils in false brethren, in perils in, pain, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of the churches. I think it's safe to say that Paul was in some dangerous situations. How did Paul get it? He wasn't an adrenaline junkie. He wasn't trying to get a thrill and get, and get his endorphins pumped up. Well, how did Paul go? He was preaching the gospel. He was standing for the word of God. He was standing for the gospel. He was standing for Jesus Christ, and he found himself in some dangerous situations. You could say this way, if you're not willing to allow the gospel to take you some dangerous situations, you're not going to go very far with the gospel. You're not going to go very far with the gospel. The Bible and church history tells us otherwise. Nowhere in our Bibles are we told that because of our citizenship and our freedoms that we are exempt from facing dangerous situations with the gospel. Nowhere in our Bible says, well, simply because you're American, you don't have to face persecution. You know, the face, dangerous situation. You might not be shipwrecked and you might not spend time in jail and you might not go the exact route that Paul did, but I guarantee if you begin to stand for this book, you begin to stand for the gospel and you go out into this world preaching the gospel of the Bible and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, sooner or later you're gonna find yourself in a dangerous situation. Your job might be on the line. Your, your well-being might be attacked. Oh, preacher, that's, that's for those Christians over there. I'm blessed and highly favored. And I'm never going to see tribulations or pains or problems or dangerous situations. I'd argue with you that Paul was blessed and highly favored. How do you know, preacher? Well, we have a New Testament. Who did God use to write the majority of it? Paul. I, what a wonderful blessing and favor that is. God used you to write the Bible. <laughs> and yet, we just read about all the stuff he went through. And we see here this morning, and I'll preach that's not for me. Now, we don't have to face that. What about 2 Timothy 3.12? Yea, all that live godly shall have all their bills paid and no problems. It's not what the Bible says. Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus, what? Shall suffer persecution. Our Christian ancestors faced certain death and torture. 
They, they were thrown to the Colosseum. Their, their children were drowned in front of them. Their bodies were ripped apart. Their homes burnt down, burned at the stake. Why? They believed the gospel and they would not back down from it. And our, uh, we, we, they faced that and we're afraid of somebody from HR coming to us and saying, well, you know, you're not allowed to say that on the job site. I'm going to say it. Preacher, you don't understand. I, I got to have this job and I, I understand the need to provide and all that kind of stuff. But nowhere in our Bible are we told to compromise the gospel for anything. We're afraid of what somebody from HR, we're afraid of what somebody might say in the comment section. I'm going to post that truth because it's truth. I don't want to offend nobody. Listen, in 2023, tell the truth, you're going to offend everybody just about. You don't got to say in the mean spirit. You got to say, you can say Jesus loves you. No, we know that. That's how I read mean comments. <laughs> Here's the funny thing. We make fun of the liberal crowds because they got to have their safe places. Their safe zones. Wear your safety pin because it's a safe place. We make fun of them. Oh, that's, 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 that's so pathetic. But the reality is most Christians are okay with the gospel as long as it's in a safe place. Well, there's going to be some dangerous situations. Are you willing to trust the Lord to take care of you as you bring the gospel into those situations? We see devilish obstructions, difficult understandings. We see dangerous situations this morning. If we're not careful, we'll let these things keep us from going. The notice number four this morning will be done. We see diseased listeners. Diseased, look at verse number 18. Diseased listeners. The Bible said, and they take up serpents and they shall drink any deadly thing that shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. <laughs> it's interesting to me how in verse 17 and 18, all these signs have been exploited by the charismatic movement. They've all been taken out of context and applied in an incorrect way. It's amazing how they, they, are, they, are, they are exploited by charlatans and false preachers, but can I say, out of all that, you know who really gets underneath my skin? Faith healers. Get, I mean, they get underneath my skin. If TVs weren't so expensive, I'd throw, throw one every time I see one. <laughs> so if you have it on at your house, don't invite me over because I don't have to pay for your TV. But, sir, preacher, why do they bother you? Because if you had that kind of power, where by your touch and by your word, you can heal any sickness, it's amazing how they only do it in sold-out arenas. It's amazing to me that they only do it when people have paid tickets and paid price to come into where they are. Why aren't they walking down the cancer wards? Why aren't they going to the pediatric hospitals and saying, let me see your child, I can heal them? Because it's fake. They're phonies. You're watching them quit. Preacher, you just don't know about them. I do. The Bible gives me, <laughs> I'm going to move on, amen. <laughs> Jesus wasn't telling these men to set up clinics and fix all their physical calamities. He was telling them that they were walking into a world full of sick people. Diseased people. People that were hurting, people that were broken. And he was telling them, listen, you're going to walk into that kind of world and you're going to walk into those kind of people. Don't worry, you have the cure. It wasn't their hands. We read the book of Acts and <laughs> Paul and, excuse me, not Peter, Peter and John 
walking to the temple that day and there's that man begging for them who's uh, he's paralyzed and Peter looked at me and said, in my hands, I've got the power to get up. Paul, Peter said, look, I'm broke. Silver and gold, I ain't got none of that. But I have something far better. <laughs> he said, in the name of who? Jesus. Get up and walk. You gotta realize this morning that you and I, we're walking into a diseased world. Yes, there's physical sickness and we can't fix that. We prayed for Miss Beebe the other night, didn't we? And I, I got to chuckling to myself and thanking the Lord how you went to the doctor the next day and all of a sudden they figured out what it was. Here's what you have. Now, Miss Beebe, we didn't pray for Miss Beebe and all of a sudden she was healed in the moment. We see here this morning that you and I are walking into a sin-cursed world and people who are sick with sin. How do you know, preacher? Because I was. And so are you. We're walking into that kind of world. We're going into that kind of world. and We live in that kind of world. And most of the time, we stay within our families. And we like to say, like, preacher, way out there in the world, they're sin. And they're sinners, and they're living ungodly, and they're living wicked. And it's way out there, preacher. But if we're 